Hello, Waywards. It is so nice to see you guys. Welcome to our podcast. We are the Wayward Sisters. I am Ashley Williams from Gastonia, North Carolina, by way of West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, what do I do? I am a technical theater student, just graduated, class of 2020, gang, 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 gang. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, I do production design, live production, anything production-based, that's what I do. Um, I'm a singer. I dance a little bit, too. Ooh uh and yeah so that's me um my goal is to one day own my own production company work for broadway for a little bit and then own a community center for students and children in the community doing arts so ding ding jackie oh my I definitely thought it was Imani. Got you. Okay. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Waywards. My name is Jakini Ingram. I am the second sister on this here podcast, and I'm so excited to be joining these extraordinary ladies as we have real conversations about real things. I am a 2020 graduate of The Ohio State University, where I received my bachelor's in political science and African-American studies. In the fall, I will be making my way to law school at Moritz College of Law. To be completely honest, I don't know what I want to do once those three years are up. Uh, the only thing I can tell you is what I'm passionate about. That is prison reform, social justice, and educating others about the intersectional suffering of already marginalized communities by rising to the occasion uh, to not be a voice for the voiceless, but to give the voiceless their voices back. I say often that I'm scared of people who know exactly what they're going to be doing five years from now because as the world continues to revolve and people continue to grow, they will stay stuck. And I want to revolve with the world and grow alongside my peers. Very nice, very nice. Love I it. am Imani Cooper Williams. I am from, I was born in Orlando, Florida, but I live in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I am a lot of things. I do a lot of things. I'm a small business owner. So I own a subscription box called uh, Shark Week Survival Kit that revolves around connecting women to other women and self-care and also natural products for our bodies because we have been victim to so many chemicals being thrown at us that completely destroy the cradle of life that we hold in our bodies, which is our um, vagina. I know some people don't like that word, but it's what it's called. Um, I'm also an actor. I do film. I do musical theater. I sing. I say I dance. I'm not good at it. I'm, <laughs> it's what it is. I can, I can do, I can't pop and lock it for anything. So we're working on that. We're getting there. Um, my goal is to, I have a lot of goals. I want to move to a predominantly Black nation. Um, I want to build up my peers around me. I intend to open music schools in predominantly Black uh, nations, well, art schools in general in predominantly Black nations to give a voice to these young students that have been stifled for so long and have so much creativity to give to the world. Um, yeah, that's it. Yes, we love it, we love it, love it. Okay, so the purpose of our podcast is to bring together people from different backgrounds and different outlooks on life to 
I'm reading this as you can see because I'm not good with the memory, uh, to discuss the experiences and encourage healthy discussions about difficult topics. Now that part I remembered because y'all want to talk about things for real. And that's why we're here to discuss those things. So our first topic, uh, we're gonna start with relationships, cheating, things like that. You know, the things people don't like to discuss. Inspired by some events that transpired last weekend. It was a wild time. Mother's Day happened. Um, Charlemagne was running his mouth again. It was, the internet kind of was wild last weekend. It was disgusting. So the first thing we're going to talk about is Kelani and um, Charlemagne's complete attack on her desire to stay silent about her trauma and um, his trivializing it regarding her relationship with relationships with YG and Kyrie Irving. She was um, Zooming with the Breakfast Club in the comfort of her own home where she should feel safe. Um, and he asked her about a specific verse on her uh, new song that she put out regarding um, past traumas in her past relationship. And he kind of pressured her into admitting that she had been cheated on and it jokingly said that nothing's wrong with a little cheating. And Kimani responded by saying that she loves herself more than thinking that ever. Where, um, and then Charlemagne was like, basically he was very nonchalant about it. He was like, you're not forgiving, whatever, which is gross. It's very Charlemagne-like though. I don't, I, that's why like, he's just, he's a very problematic person and nobody checks him on what he says okay. or does. And it's ridiculous. Like. He, he's able to say the craziest things to people. Like, and it's it, only person I've seen actually check him is Kate Michelle. Mm -hmm. She checked everybody. So yeah. I, I feel like that situation was just really wrong in so many states because like, there's at no point cheating, okay? Like, you can't say that, oh yeah, you should be able to take a little cheating. That's like you should saying you should be able to take a little abuse, like. And cheating is abuse. Yeah, exactly. Something we don't talk about as abuse, but it is. It's abuse of somebody's trust. It's abuse of somebody's body because it puts them at risk for STDs and STIs. It's abuse of somebody's mentality because, I mean, the amount of emotional trauma that comes from something like that. Why would you put yourself back in that situation and why are we normalizing it as a society? Yeah, it's think that okay well if you cheat once okay my when I think about cheating I think about the people that they try to get with people that are in relationships mm -hmm. and then once they get with that person they expect them not to do the same thing to them mm -hmm. that they did to the girl that they were pre girl or guy they were previously with like if you think someone else, man it's gonna happen like it's a it's a cycle cheating is a cycle mm -hmm. like it's it's something that's gonna continuously happen until you just stop accepting it like mm -hmm. we shouldn't accept someone degrading us that's what cheating is it is and i mean there's their relation there's a way to go about a relationship where you don't want to be um exclusive to that person and it's being in a polyamorous relationship it's 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 becoming pretty popular i i don't know why it's not you know like there's so many men that say and it's of course not only men cheat but we can do my majority minority here majority of people that do things like this and are open about it and proud of it are men and yeah. you know they feel like they're not capable of not cheating so okay be in a polyamorous relationship because that's obviously what you want anyway that's where the whole black men don't cheat movement i think it's the dumbest thing ever i'm sorry i, I like i know every now and again it's a joke but that's so stupid like why yeah. like you're lying stop it like yeah. we're lying you know you're lying 
everybody knows you're lying. And the people that go along black with it, men, the thing ever. black men don't cheat on their white women. Ha! Help. 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 I'll cheat on a black woman any day of the week. Okay. Okay. Jackie? <laughs> Jackie? <laughs> so, is this an okay time to talk about Earl Thomas? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Since we are talking about black men and black women in relationships and the black man cheating, then I guess this is a good segue to talk about Earl Thomas and his wife, Nina Thomas. Mm -hmm. Nina walked in on him cheating and held him at gunpoint. She was arrested, but later released. Now I'm not saying she was right, but I will say I understand. She was provoked. I have never walked in on a partner in the act of cheating, but I have been cheated on. And what I can say for myself and in this situation is that you don't know until you know. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's easier said than done, but more is always said than done. I imagine when you are in that situation, it is a compilation of so many different emotions. As easy as it is to say she was wrong or you'd never be her, it's even easier to be angry. Aristotle said this, and I wrote it down. This is one of my favorite quotes. Anybody can become angry. That is easy, but to be angry with the, with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not within everybody's power and it is not easy. Come on now. You know, to, to go back to that situation in particular, my thing is, and this is my stance on all of this, even the Kalani situation, I want more for Black women when it comes to love. Mm -hmm. um, I'm tired of seeing people I care about being crazy in love or dangerously in love. I want to see them, and yes, it is possible to be peacefully in love, harmoniously mm -hmm. in love. You can fight for love without having to fight through love. Come on! And the moment you start fighting through it is perhaps the moment where it no longer suits you. For me personally, I'll be damned if I have to endure what my mother and grandmothers endured with love. Um, I'm not saying love has to be perfect by any means, but I do believe it can be peaceful. And so when it comes to women, black women especially, and I tweeted this a few months ago or a few weeks ago, I want black women to experience a love that doesn't involve grief. And I'm not talking about the kind of grief that is accompanied with death. You know, I'm not talking about that. I understand that life comes with love and love comes with loss. You know, I'm talking about the kind of grief that literally makes you want to act irrationally in the face of your cheating partner. The mm -hmm. kind of grief that literally makes you want to shed your flesh and become invisible because I imagine that's how Nina Thomas may have felt that day. The kind of grief that makes you want to say forget love and everything attached to it because I've been there before as well and the truth is there's so much more to relationships than just love you can love anybody you can love a book you can love a yeah. tree but to be with somebody it takes more than love it takes commitment and I want women, Black women especially, to know that we are worthy of this commitment. But I also never want anybody to think that commitment is all they're worth. 
Mm -hmm. right? Our understanding of womanhood and of love should not be defined by somebody else's ability to commit to us or not. And so for me, my heart goes out to Nina Thomas and Kalani over those comments that Charlemagne made to her. I am not, nor have I ever been an advocate or supporter of domestic violence, no matter the victim. But again, love is much easier said than done. And mm -hmm. I am no one to say what she could have, should have, or what I would have done in that situation. But there's just so much more to it. And I just, I mean, for me, it's just that I want more for Black women than that. I, I wish she would have never even been put in that situation to begin with, honestly. I agree. I so agree. At this point, does it seem like we're not holding her? Like, I know a lot of people are saying, like, oh, good for her. Like, yeah, like, we, like, I know I made the joke. Oh, she said pew pew. Okay, cool. Like, <laughs> Is it, is it wrong that not everybody's holding her accountable because that is domestic abuse though? I think, oh. go ahead. I think that there's a difference between an aggravated response and domestic abuse. I think that domestic abuse tends to be an ongoing thing. And um, what she did was not right, but she was responding to domestic abuse. And I think that holding somebody accountable for the response that they create, especially somebody that is, I mean, to, to see that is torture. It's torture on the soul. It's, it's being trampled on emotionally. And the way someone responds to that, I don't know if that is abuse. I think that it's, it, she didn't do the right thing necessarily because, you know, it, it has consequences to do what she did. But I, I wouldn't say that she's abusing him because I mean, she's responding to his own abuse in a self-defensive manner. So action and reaction pretty much. Like in action and reaction. And I think we should know the difference between abuse and action reaction. Okay, so oh. where where is that line? I think the line is a continuation because let's say even if it were a man right if a man is hit by his wife and he action reactions hits her back it's wrong but then if they both leave and don't continue that behavior that's action reaction but if it becomes a continued behavior it becomes abuse if that makes sense i think there's two sides so I think on one, one side, there's, you know, what Rihanna said a few years back, never underestimate a man's ability to make you feel guilty for his mistakes. Yeah. And so in that aspect, it's like kind of what Imani said, like he provoked her, right? And again, if you've never been in a situation where you have walked in on your partner cheating, it is very, very difficult to say what you would do in that moment. Because I can guarantee that you probably would not do what you think you might do in that situation. Now, on the other hand, do I think that they both need to be held accountable? Yes, by all means, hold them both accountable. Hold uh, him accountable for the cheating, for the threesome, for whatever it was. Hold her accountable for holding him at gunpoint. I think both of those things need to take place. But it's important to understand that she was in that situation, not because she asked to be there. She was put there. And so she was provoked. She was responding, as Imani said. And so 
I think when it comes to responses, it's it's difficult to assess how you're going to respond. I think I think it was Nipsey Hustle who said like watch work on how you respond when yeah. when you feel disrespected, right? And yeah. so she needs to work on that. Like if her first instinct is to hold him at gunpoint, then yes, by all means, she got some things, some built up issues that she needs to work on. But those are personal issues. That's not something I can't, I can't be the one to tell her what it is that she needs to work on. And I imagine that after all the social media responses, she probably knows that. And I really, really hope that, you know, based off of their lives and, and the money that they have, that counseling is open to them, that counseling is an option. Um, not just like couples counseling, if they decide to work it out, whatever, whatever, but an individualized counseling to where they can really work on their own personal issues. I also want to piggyback off of what you said, um, Doc, because when we say that we wouldn't respond in that manner, imagine what it took for her to respond in that manner. How much was she going through at his hands before that? to get her to the point where she grabbed a gun. Like there had to be a buildup. Like you don't, your first thought, I know maybe talking, but like, I don't think your first thought is, okay, I'm gonna shoot him cause he's playing with me. No, like there's something that I'm, he's playing with me or that, cause I, I personally, I'm not finna, I'm not about to put myself in a predicament to go to jail because of you, because you want to play with me or you want to cheat or whatever you plan on doing. That's not smart. It's not logical. But it's right, like, right. what caused her to get to that point where she was like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going I'm, like, I'm like, to do it. Yep. For me, being in a situation that was, if you know, like, I, I, I'm not going to talk about it right now, but anybody who knows the situation that I was in, I thought about killing that man. I considered killing that man. And I had to, it took like, and I was like, this person literally is a monster but I had to sit down. Like it, it took, I don't know how I would. And I thought about that because he wasn't in front of me when I found everything out. So I can't say that I wouldn't have harmed him if I saw him at that moment. Based off of the articles I read, I don't think that her intentions were ever to actually physically harm him. Exactly. So she had his, I want to say it was like a nine millimeter. Mm -hmm. um, and she had his pistol but she did not know that there was actually a bullet in the chamber. Yeah. So she had the gun with her, and I think it was a scare tactic. Yes, we know it wasn't a scare tactic anymore. A yeah. little Russian roulette. That's what it sounded like. She yeah. she didn't check. She wasn't. See, that's the thing. When you do something crazy like that, you have to check. You have don't you be smart about it. With a loaded gun and one that's not. You have if you gonna Absolutely. pick up a gun, know the difference. We don't even know if she was holding the gun to get him out of the house. He could have been refusing to leave and she was like, fine, get out. It really could have been anything. There's so many different situations. And I mean, imagine being, a, she's little and he's a- She's little. She's a tiny woman. He's a grown man. And she obviously isn't who she thought she was. Real burly. Mm -hmm. But it's like, that's like the instance where it's like oh black women are crazy but it's like because we're caught because we're put in situations to make us feel crazy i you know this kind of goes into our next topic so i don't really want to touch on it too much but 
black men are very, very good with, they know what they're doing when they call black women crazy. Yes. I will say that in past relationships, I have been called crazy. Mm-hmm. And looking back on it, and even after I got out of those relationships, I would go back and have conversations with my ex and be like, was I really crazy? And he was like, nah, you actually had every right to do what you did. So I wasn't crazy, but you made me think that I was crazy in those moments because you knew what you were doing and you knew that that word crazy hits different. It does. It and the thing about are we really truly crazy or is our gut telling us something and you're telling us something different? And so we're trying to assess which one is, which one is real and which one isn't. Right. And it's difficult because they're merging now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, here, here I am being called crazy because I think that my partner is cheating and then come to find out my said partner actually was cheating. Yes, and you mean to tell me you called me crazy over that? Like I, like I said, I would have conversations with my exes about this stuff. I've recently had a conversation with my high school ex-boyfriend and I was like, so what was that all about? Was I really acting irrational? Was I really crazy? Was I really over the top? Nope. And he was like, no, I, I provoked you. I brought you to that situation and you were reacting the way that any woman who cares about her relationship would have. And who cares about herself? See, because we're so often expected to put these men over ourselves. Nah. That, just that's the, come on now, don't be me. <laughs> I kid you not, I'm literally called crazy all the time. It's agitated. I mean, everybody calls me crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not. I just know when I see something and I know when something's off. Like mm-hmm. my intuition is great. I have. It's really good because half the time I'm wrong. Olivia Pope. What never lies. It never lies. I be right. I really be right. And people be like, no, you're crazy. No, I'm not crazy. It's not me. It's you. Like something I can tell. Like I know my friends call me crazy, but that's because I'm the first person to pop off. But it's like I pop off when I'm provoked. Mm-hmm. And it's like when black are like oh bro you're being crazy just stop no I'm not being crazy I know something's up I know something's wrong and you're making it very obvious you're not as sneaky as you are and I was raised by my mom my dad and my brother I have one brother and other cousins that were raised like my brothers trust me when I tell you they raised me right I know things I know the game I know what you're doing stop I'm not crazy you are right and it's so it's so hard to stand your ground when you are you you as a black woman like we as black women have to deal with the stigma that we are crazy and then also have the feeling that we don't not the feeling but we're so often put in situations where we are made to feel like we don't deserve love in the first place yeah so the combination of those two makes us so easy to gaslight into thinking that we really are crazy. And it's, it, it's sick. And it's something that it's, it's a black on black crime because it's so often done at the hands of our brothers. And it, it's also in the same situation of like when in the workplace, when they're like, oh, she's a bit too loud. She's doing the crazy thing, like the crazy black lady thing. No, I'm speaking my, I feel like people equate being a crazy black woman 
to speaking your mind and being honest about situations. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make sense because everyone else is able to speak their minds, say it with as much as they chest as they want to. Mm -hmm. They're able to literally get things across and they can either be yelling. Like a black woman can be singing the most monotone voice, but it be something that's an agitating topic. Mm -hmm. And be like, oh, she's being a crazy black lady again. Oh my gosh, okay, crazy black woman coming through. No. That's well, not the what addiction of black women is certainly police at a higher rate than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Yes. This crazy black woman, I don't know, this this archetype of a crazy black woman, it is expected. It's expected. Mm -hmm. I've I've expect and the thing about it is sometimes I even code switch. Sometimes I even train mm -hmm. my lips to be fixed in a certain way so that people don't assume that I'm coming off as this angry black woman. When, you know, I received my bachelor's from a PWI and sitting in those lectures, sitting in meetings and stuff like that, it was very, very easy to become emotional at some of the outrageous things that I would hear from my white peers, my white male peers, my white female peers. And I literally had to learn how to, um, it almost became performative. My responses to certain things, uh, my reactions almost became performative and rehearsed at, at a point because I had to make sure that I wasn't responding in an aggressive manner. Because white people have said some things to me, black men have said some things to me, white women have said some things to me, where my first response is like, I want to beat that ass. <laughs> but then the intellectual, intelligent, articulate me kicks in and I'm like this is how I feel yeah and, and just to, like just to note um for anyone who's listening and doesn't know PWI is a term for predominantly white institution yeah. it's something that um it's PWI versus HBCU which is a historically black college and university just for anybody listening that may not know right yeah and it's it's, it's always funny to me that people like because it's like you expect white women to be your allies you, you I don't know why we expect it but we expect them to be our allies in some shape or form because you know when they're like oh it's no you're a white feminist and I think that the rise of the term Karen is such a funny <laughs> concept because Karen. I remember back in the day hearing things like Bon Qui Qui Laquisha oh, to describe the angry black woman yep. that was really minding her business, that you just couldn't deal with her blackness, where Karen is in your face and she affects everybody. Susan Everyone. B. Anthony was a Karen. She was she a Karen. Was a Karen. She was a Karen. Absolutely certain. Susan B. Anthony watched, was also racist. Has anybody watched Miss America on Hulu? No. There's a huge conversation to be had about Mrs. America, and I think everybody should watch it, because it shows the difference between a Karen feminist and a feminist. There it is. Well, intersectional feminism. I, I call it intersectional feminism. Or, and the thing is, I actually don't refer to myself as a feminist, because no. I don't believe that feminism can be intersectional. I don't believe that mainstream movements in the United States in general can be intersectional. Mm -hmm. I refer to myself as a womanist. So Alice Walker, uh, she was an incredible Black author. She wrote uh, The Color Purple, of course. That's perhaps her most famous work. She says, womanist 
is to feminist as purple is to lavender. And so it's just a more intensified approach, right? Kimberly Crenshaw coined the term intersectionality to illustrate the multi-praxis landscape by which Black women are uh, marginalized on two fronts. So our marginalization, our oppression can be by way of patriarchy or it can be by way of race, right? Yeah. And so she essentially is trying to illustrate this erasure of Black women. There's this constant erasure. And so when you look at like the mainstream movements in the United States, and like I said, intersectionality, even though it was coined to illustrate the suffering of Black women, it can be used to cover the sufferings of the LGBTQ community, right? Because when you look at it, the LGBTQ community in the United States is largely like cis, white, male, uh, rich, wealthy, like you don't really see in, in pride parades, like there, there really is no illustration of, of black uh, LGBTQ members. It's, it largely excludes them. And I would say the same thing for the feminist movement in the United States. And um, I think that, just really quick, I think that it includes not only black, but Latino, Middle Eastern, Indian, uh, South Asian. Mm -hmm. it, it, it really discludes all of us heavily, we are not seen there in these intersection intersectionalities. Well, if it's white, then it's more acceptable. Yeah. That's usually how it is though. Cause it's crazy to me. Cause I'm like, when I'm looking at the different, even looking at the documentaries for the feminist movement, looking at any of the papers that are written, it's white women's problems. Mm -hmm. It's never the issue that a black woman faces. And it's, it's it's weird to me. Like, it's genuinely weird because they're like, oh, but we're all feminists. But you also were one of my oppressors and you can't accept that fact. And I, my favorite quote um, to this day is um, Malcolm X when he said that the most disrespected person in America is indeed the Black woman. Is. And he, his work to bring up Black women and the way it's been diluted and poisoned by historians as they do the bible is disgusting because no one love like no i have not seen another famous male black leader love black women like malcolm x has because even martin luther king was out here disrespecting coretta was I was, was, was he was <laughs> he was oh that's a lot but nobody ever wants to talk about that the fact that he was on the forefront of the movement. Cheaters. He was at the forefront of the movement, but he was disrespecting his wife terribly. Okay. I'm gonna leave that where it is. I'm gonna leave that where it is. It's just funny to me how black men just love to like police us mm -hmm. and tell us like how we're supposed to hurt and how we're supposed to feel about situations. Like we don't we don't do that to you. Like, yes, there's this and I'm not saying black men as a whole, I'm saying the general black men and on that they're not all the same i'd like to go ahead go ahead go ahead no you're good you're good no because i'm gonna share that tweet oh gosh go ahead no i'm gonna let you head that go ahead go ahead go ahead go okay. ahead go ahead uh, <laughs> let me share my content do it because buddy was bugging like Every now and again, I have to remind myself on Twitter, Ashley, you cannot pull up on people on Twitter. Ashley, you cannot pull up on people on Twitter. I pull up on anyone on the Twitter. No. So, um, 
this man under regarding this is regarding Kilani and Charlemagne's exchange. He's right though. Cheating is a part of the ups and downs of a relationship, though. Every man is gonna hurt you, comma. You just gotta find the one worth hurting for. Millions of wives who are happily married now, comma, get cheated on and hit by their husbands, but stay and made it work. Love is hard. What his name is? What his name is? Professor Wilhelm at Handle Ending. Sir, I want you to know. You're dumb. Um, you're a little stupid. Um, that's not logical. Like, the women that say when their husband hits them or continuously cheats, that's because they're afraid. That's fear. I, I'm not going to continue. Like, I, I know a lot of people say, oh, you might as well just leave. No. Fear and the thought of being alone forever. Because when a man is hitting you or abusing you in general, your mindset is, okay. Um, they deserve this because they are gaslighting you into that, that you are the problem. Exactly. You automatically become the person that's the issue. And in your mind, it's no longer, oh, I love myself. It's okay. I have to find a way for him to love me. It automatically, it is like that. That's not, it's not the same kind of hurt. Each hurt is different. And that hurt is something serious. So the fact that he thought it was okay to like bring that to the dumb. No one is worth hurting for. No one no one no relationship no one. should be puffed out I'm and sorry. no one should be made to feel as though they are struggling through what they're what should be something that brings you up every day no. you know what's scary though the scary part is that some of his statement is true he says and i quote millions of wives who are happily married now got cheated on and mm -hmm. hit by their husbands but stay and made it work. Yeah. Now, I can't speak for everybody's relationships. I can only speak for the ones that I have either experienced or the ones that I have witnessed. I can say for certain that he was at least telling the truth about my grandmothers. They got cheated on multiple times. They were hit, they were beaten, and they stayed, and they made it work, and to death do them part, literally. And that's why I said what I said earlier. I want, I want more for Black women when it comes to love. Now, yes, there is some truth to, their, to his statement. Should it be? No. Every man is going to hurt you. You just got to find the one hurting for, worth hurting for. No, that doesn't have to be the case. We don't need to normalize that. But the truth of the matter is that there are women who truly believe that being, you know, his ride or die is a title worth having. Like being, you know, she stayed down for me through this, through that, through thick and through thin, through thick and through thin. That's the one. A lot of men will like post on social media, like with the captions, like she been there for me through thick and through thin. Like through thick and through thin does not necessarily have to mean cheating. When right. I think like through thick and through thin in my current relationship, I think of the fact that like we met at a time where my father was like dying. That's my through thick and through thin. That's what it's I- like You're broke and struggling and you don't have right. it. That's yeah, like thing. through thick and through thin, I'm thinking like, oh, he watched me heal and mm -hmm. hurt over my father's death. I'm not thinking like- He hurt me and put me through thick and thin. He beat me and I stayed. Yeah. Like, that, that's scary that we 
are normalizing that. And then and I, that doesn't have to be the case. I wonder though, and I uh, full respect to your your elders and your family, but were they only happy because they thought that's what they had to do? Because it's a generational thing. That's the thing. One thing I've realized into thinking that that's what that's what love is for them. Yes, it's generational. The older generation is convinced that you have to stay with your husband no matter what he does to you. That's not logical. Well, I've talked to my mom and my grandmothers about this. I believe in having authentic conversations. Mm -hmm. My parents, before my father passed, were together for 30 years. Um, my father did cheat on my mother. And I have come to, the, come to terms with the fact that even though my father was a wonderful father to me, he was a subpar husband to my mother. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with saying that I'm a very transparent person. I've had authentic conversations with my mother. And I asked her, so mom, why did you stay? And I'm the youngest out of my siblings. I have four brothers and a sister. I'm the youngest. I'm 22. I was 20 when my father passed away. And my mother's response for me was essentially that it was convenient. Um, divorce is expensive. Uh, raising all those kids by yourself is expensive. And for her, it was easier to work it out than it was to start over. Now, the fact of the matter is that a lot of women have that mindset as well. Do I, I think my mother was right to stay because it was easy? No. And what broke my heart was that my mother essentially told me that she stayed for me because I was the youngest. She was waiting until I got of age and she planned on leaving my dad at the time that she planned on leaving he actually got sick and in sickness and in health and so she stayed and what's very very interesting is that when my father got sick he became a lot softer he became a much better man the last two years of my father's life were probably his best two years that was probably the best he had ever treated my mother would just bring her flowers just because, or would call her beautiful just because. And, and the fact of the matter is my mother uh, was grieving really, really hard over my father's death. And I couldn't really understand why, because in my head, I'm like, girl, he cheated on you. He did all that, whatever, whatever. But my mother truly like fell in love with my dad all over again around the time that he passed away. Now, when she told me that she stuck around for me, I got a little scared because anybody who knows me knows that I will never advocate for any woman to stay through cheating. And if I would have known that when I was 12 and 13 and 14, just going about my regular daily life, I would have told my mom that she did not have to do that for me. And so it scares me to think that like, I could have been the cause of, and I'm absolutely certain my mother didn't mean any harm by it, mm -hmm. but to think that I could have potentially been the cause of my mother having to endure pain, having to survive something. Love should not be something that you have to survive and that's literally what my mother was doing mm -hmm. and so like I said a lot of women start to normalize that and they have reasons for why they stay they may not make sense to me but a lot of women have that mindset and the fact of the matter is if I'm being completely transparent the truth of the matter is I've been cheated on in relationships and stuck around I'm not a perfect person, but at the same time, there were moments when I look back and evaluate the situations that I was in, I didn't love myself. And I was so socialized to be selfless, right? Mm -hmm. 
Ashley and I were having this conversation like a couple days ago or maybe even weeks. I don't remember. But men are selfish. They are selfish because they always choose them, right? Mm -hmm. We always say like, oh, he couldn't walk a mile in her shoes. He shouldn't have to, right? If somebody cheats on you, you have an option. The door is always open for you to leave. And the thing about it is men choose themselves. As in, if a woman cheats, if their woman cheats, they are going to walk away and they are going to find somebody who is loyal to them and who is true to them and who is their ride or die. And why is that? Because we are programmed. Women are programmed to be selfless, whereas men are programmed to be selfish. And I told Ashley this story, and this is my analogy. When you are a kid, right, you're learning, you see a little boy and he's learning how to fish. He's learning how to fish and in that, he is learning how to feed himself. You give a little boy a fish and then you teach him how to go get more. You teach him how to feed himself, right? That's a little selfish. You don't think about it that way. But on the other end, if you give a woman a fish, what do you teach her how to do? You to teach her how to season it, how to clean it, how to cook it, how to fry it. You teach her how to feed other people. You are yep. teaching her how to be selfless, how to put other people before herself. And that might seem very small. It might seem like a fragmented analogy. But the truth of the matter is that men are programmed to be selfish, to leave when it gets hard. And women are programmed to be selfless, to stay when it gets rough. And that shouldn't be. I don't admire too much about men, but that is one quality of theirs that I do admire, that I wish that I had. I wish I was as selfish as a man. I started acting like men the day I found all those things out and they hate me for it. Yeah. They hate us. The minute we start acting like them, they find us revolting. They are, because re they're really revolted by themselves. Yes. And you're right, they're selfish. They put themselves first. They do everything with them in mind. And when I started like acting like that, I was so much happier. Because it's easy to be happy when everything's about you. And I was so much more successful. And in, in a short time, I, I made up so much lost time by acting like a man in that sense. And you're so right. That we have now reached a moment where we as women have to unlearn something that has been taught to us for so long. I am 22 and I am unlearning what it means to be selfless. Yes. My 20s, those are your selfish years. You should be as selfish as you possibly can be for as long as you possibly can be until a husband and kids and whatever else and other obligations come into the picture, you know? And so now I'm at this point where I'm unlearning selflessness and it is hard. It's so natural for me to put other people before myself. And the thing about it is when you put people before yourself for so long, you're also teaching them that you come second as mm -hmm. well. Exactly. Like you are putting yourself on the back burner and then you're, every, everything is a lesson. And mm -hmm. you are literally and unintentionally, unconsciously teaching people that, that you come second you to them, to them being first. And we have to unlearn that. And that's unfortunate that we've been taught that. However, as we continue to advance as a society, as I go into perhaps one day a journey of motherhood, I'm going to emphasize 
to my daughter that it is okay to be selfish. It is okay to want things for yourself. It is okay to walk away when you feel like situations and people no longer suit you. You have now reached the place in your life where the decisions you make, the people you entertain, and the rooms you enter matter. The moment you feel like you don't belong somewhere, then leave. Yeah. And that's that. We don't hear that a lot, though. Like, as women, we don't hear that. We don't hear like, that. We're told to struggle. Mm-mm. We're told to we're told to deal with the pain because it makes us stronger. It makes us stronger women. It makes you a better woman because you've been through something. And like, a lot of time, women are women are the ones telling us that. Yes, that's the issue. Fathers are the ones telling us that because they know how sick they are themselves. Yeah. So there's this tweet that I really really love and. Um, maybe I can send it to one of you guys to perhaps post on this afterwards. But this individual said, please teach your daughters not to measure their strength by how much pain they can endure. Sanusi is who said that. That's an awesome quote. Absolutely. It's honest. Like, it's an honest thing. Like, we're always, we, at no point do you tell a child, oh, no, I, I think that you should, you always tell us to share right? We're always told to share, but females are, well, young, younger females are expected to share more. Mm -hmm. Like we're always expected to give more, to do more. And it just, it's never made sense to me because why is it not the same for everyone else? Like I know me, I personally, like with my family, I'm one of those people where I'm like, I'm, when I'm very close to my family, like I'm very like, I'm in their face about everything, Mm -hmm. but it's like, we, it's even selfish with the relationships we have. Like, women aren't expected to be able to be selfish with their relationships. Mm-hmm. We're expected to accept how people talk to us, accept what people do to us. Maybe we'll blow up every now and again, but we're expected to still have this calm, very classy demeanor. I'm not, I'm not going to do that when I'm being hurt. No. Act like a lady. That's literally my least favorite saying. I hate it. Also, I hate the, lady like. the way women attack other women for hurt. Yes. Because I distinctly remember another woman coming to me and saying that I sounded bitter because I wanted my stuff back. Because he had a thousand dollars worth of my stuff and he wouldn't give it back. And that I should just let it go because I'm not acting like a lady and I sound bitter. And that's how brainwashed women are because she really believed that. She needed it's that. not in my nature to laugh at another woman's pain because I've been there before. Um, and so like Nina Thomas, for example, my heart literally goes out to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Hitman Hala. He's a yes. uh, Wild and Outcast member, really famous, has uh, a YouTube channel with his girlfriend named Cinnamon. He pulled a prank on Cinnamon, but in that moment, she did not know that it was a prank. It was a cheating prank. And so this like uh, social media influencer posts this picture with Hitman and uh, she's like, oh, you know, I'm out, like I'm laying it all bare today, right? Cinnamon uh, deletes her social media. It hits the shade room. Everybody is like laughing in the comments, you know, really, really talking and going in on this girl. And for me, that's that wasn't in my nature to be like, 
oh, this is what she gets or something like that. No, I don't ever want any woman. I don't want my worst enemy to experience the pain of cheating because it literally makes you question even the best parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. The best qualities that you have, you start to wonder if they're good enough, if they're worth it. And cheating literally can destroy who you are as a person. It destroys the reflection you see in the mirror. And I would not wish that pain on anybody, not even my worst enemy. And so what I've learned is that in the moments where, you know, back to that Nipsey Hustle thing, right? Learn how, like, fix your reactions when you feel disrespected, right? So in those moments where I feel disrespected by my partner and perhaps whoever it was that my partner was with, I have learned to be empathetic, to be soft, and to be graceful, right? Because there may come a time where I need grace, right? I was, let's see, I was in, I don't know what, it was, it was sometime when I was in college, um, I was talking to a guy who had a girlfriend, and I did not know that he had a girlfriend. His girlfriend ended up approaching me. She was very calm. Uh, and very nice about the way that she approached me and basically just asked for the truth. And that was it. We never talked again. And that was that. We left it at that. But the thing about it is like, who hasn't been that woman before? Yeah. And I mean, some never know. Men, know men will lie. Men will lie. They will convince you that they're single. So you don't know. You and literally don't know. Don't know. We'll go for our whole lives never knowing that we ruined somebody else's relationship. Because that part. And they think it's all okay. Like, it's, it doesn't make sense. Like, you'll be perfectly happy living your best life. You're cool. You think y'all are good. You think it's really, like, just you chilling. And then out of nowhere, a girlfriend. How? Where did you come from? I've never seen you. I don't even, you're not on his social media. Like, men are the sneak. They love to say that women are the FBI. Men are the dang CIA. I don't care. I don't care. It's ridiculous. The CIA is better than the FBI. They are slick. They are sneaky. They they can literally. I have family members that have whole other families, and we don't find out until they pass away, and oh, they absolutely. show up at the funeral. And Doesn't we're it like, get expensive for them? Like, what are they doing? It's psychotic to me. Like, men can literally hide people. I say, like, I make this joke every year. If, like, one of my friends joins an organization, I'm like, all right, let's see which secret girlfriend gonna pop up now. But it's true. I, my, I kid you not. One of my kids joined an organization. And I was like, okay. I get there. I have my balloons. I'm his mom. So that I have, I have my mentees, my kids. I'm his mom. I have his balloons. And I look around. There's at least six other balloons with his number on it. I've never met these girls. I've never seen them. All of them see that they have the same balloon and they're like, oh, who is this? Oh, who? men are evil when it and comes embarrassing. to stuff like that. They will embarrass, embarrass you. I don't know because you be in your face. Y'all, I will lie on you. They will embarrass you. Y'all, this is a true story. My grandfather passed away, I think, three years ago, four years ago. On the day of his funeral, mind you, he was married to my grandmother my whole life. On the day of his funeral, a woman got up to the podium, you know, in the moments where like you can have the kind no, words to the family. And my, grand, my, my grandpa's nickname was Chico. She gets up to the podium and she says, with my grandmother sitting on the front row, I was Chico's other wife. And I, 
I I swear. I swear it on everything I love, y'all. My jaw just dropped. I was like, I did not know what to say. It was she knew. Huh? She knew. Baby, we found out that are you talking about the other woman? Other wife, she, yeah. She knew. She knew she was the other wife, I guess. She knew his wife was like she acknowledged my grandmother being his wife. It was like I know she didn't just say what I think she said. When it comes to, Ashley, you just talked about it, probates and funerals, like people will die. Pop Smoke died, and I swear it was a competition to claim who was in his life the most. Death and probates. If you don't find out that your man has other women, has secret women, the best way to find out, well, that's not the best. You don't want no. I don't want nobody to die. Easiest way to find the out. Easiest way to find out is that a probate or at a funeral. I'm, I completely respect that because it's true. I've seen it happen. I've literally, I've seen females walk up and be like, "Hey, boo," and another girl's walking up with the same balloon. It's scary. It's frightening. It is I, the scariest thing I've ever seen. Funerals. I'm, I'm sorry. I. I'm a t- I'm terrible. I have really dark humor. At funerals, where people walk up and start, yes, I've had somebody walk up to me <laughs> at a funeral and be like, "Oh, I'm your auntie." No, you're not. I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Who are you? Yeah. I've never met you before. Ever. You're bugging. I don't know you. And they thought it was funny. Like they think it's a joke. No, because this is real. I've seen fights on Facebook pages at funerals because people, whole other families rolled in and they thought they had seats in the front. Nah, baby, we don't know you. We don't know you. That's crazy. How, how, how does someone like really just, I don't understand how you can, that type of embarrassment? How and why do we keep accepting it? It's not even accepting. Cause half the time we never know. No, as a society though, like why are we not checking? Why people think it's funny? I don't like. I honestly, I I don't even hate the way that um, his wife. What's her name? Do we remember you? Earl Thomas's wife responded oh, because it was it was them finally knowing that we're not always gonna walk away with our head down and cry. Yeah. And how do we how do we start responding so that we put our foot down and demand the respect that we deserve? That's a good question though. Like what at the, what what can you do that's not gonna put you in danger mentally physically? Because I mean but the and uh, back in the day you would go to jail for it. Yeah. It was jail for cheaters. Because it, it is literally put it's it's reckless endangerment of somebody's body at the end of the day. Because, I mean, we all saw that movie with um, Journey Smollett. He, he done killed her. She yeah. has AIDS. And like, there's serious risks to come from it. I have post-traumatic stress disorder. That's gonna walk with me my whole life and there's no justice for that. I walked out of that relationship with um, another thing. What was it? Stockholm Syndrome. Who has to get treated for Stockholm syndrome when they haven't been kidnapped. And when do we when do we get justice for it and how do we 
put our foot down and defend ourselves without going to jail? It's, it's a question because it's like, yeah, you want to have a conversation, but in that moment, I don't want, I don't want to talk to you. I want justice. <laughs> I, I, I'm angry. Like, I commend myself because I wrote two hours with that man and didn't hurt him. I don't get it. I just want to know, how do you calm your anger? Like, what do you, what do you expect us to do as Black women? As women in general? Like, because if we get too loud, you're going to call the police and say, I'm attacking you. I'm not attacking you. I'm, I'm upset. Yeah. Like, honestly, I, I think, like, the person that I can't stand the most, I would have to say is Future. Can't. Can't stand him. Quick. Man is... They love to call him the toxic king. Why is that okay? Why are y'all so funny okay though? With you guys should be disgusted with him. He needs you to be neutered. Neutered. Castrated, honey. <laughs> neutered. Not castrated. I'm gonna let him, I'm gonna let him keep it. Neutered. Like you're li- like the fact that you're so okay with how you treat women and, and how many them to be okay with it. And how many disjointed families he's created? How many traumatized children he's created? The after effects of his behavior will now be passed down for generations. And it's sad. It's like, what's the point? Like, really, what's the point of you getting all these different women pregnant? For what? What do you gain from it? I would like to know. I would, who got the tweets? Who got the tweets? I need, I need, I need, I need. Because Mother's Day, Mother's Day was. Mother's was, Day was a lot. Mother's Day was crazy. Anybody that said Happy Father's Day on Mother's Day can fight me. I'll send so, you. So here we go. Here, here's the tweets, right? So on May 10th, 2020, aka Mother's Day, Nevadius Damon Wilborn, I wrote that down, better known as Future, took to Twitter to acknowledge all of the mothers of his children. I feel like Whitney Houston right now, but we have India, <laughs> Brittany, Sierra, Joey, Paris, and Baby K's mother, whose name he does not mention. Interestingly enough, uh, the very next day, a woman by the name of Eliza Rain released the DNA results of a paternity test to prove that her child is in fact Future's eighth child. Social media blew up. There were a host of jokes uh, surrounding the Toxic King's tweets. Uh, Future and Lori Harvey are, of course, the center of a lot of, like, you know, toxic jokes on all social media platforms. And there was a lot of discussion on whether, like, Future should have done this. A lot of LOLs at the fact that he made six separate tweets for six different women. Um, here's, so here's my thing. On Mother's Day, what do you normally do? You do normally publicly acknowledge mothers. And whether or not uh, Future is or isn't toxic, uh, to publicly acknowledge the mothers of his children uh, perhaps shouldn't have been, you know, I get it. I get that part. Um, But I think the way that he went about it was just interesting. So my thing is, if he were to take to Twitter to acknowledge them, I just hope that he had the same energy in real life to acknowledge them, right? People get on Twitter all the time and be like, oh, I thank God for waking me up this morning. Well, make sure you're thanking God in real life and not just on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that the same rules apply here because imagine if like he's tweeting this but hasn't sent you a text message or what if like your number is blocked? 
I'm convinced he's blockbuster. If you haven't seen him in three months, and your kid hasn't seen him in three months. I'm convinced baby boy is blocked. I'm convinced CC got that man blocked, and I don't blame her. I don't. Because okay. that was so, it was disgusting. Like, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into it because I just don't like him. But, like... It was almost flexing, in a way. He literally was just like, yeah, I'm gonna show y'all what I got, what I can do. Sir, we know what you do. We know how many you have. We understand it another wrong way. Like, love yourself, because you don't. You're sad. Stop, please. It's concerning. I mean, what, are, what void are you filling with all these different broken homes you've created? Like, Because I know for a fact you haven't, you probably haven't seen all of them. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, I'm not saying there's no possible way but there's no possible way. For him to be dating Lori Harvey posting up on it, about it all day and seeing all them children, it just doesn't seem viable. It doesn't. Like, I'm sorry, but... And I could not be Lori Harvey. I've seen what he does and I don't want part of it. I, I'm really hoping that, like, she's being very careful. Being very... Because I'm going to be real hurt. Her family dynamic is already a lot to me. Like, mm -hmm. a lot. Like, a lot. But... I feel I feel like it's ridiculous. Like it's it's kind of like excessive. Why why are we even subjected women su even subjecting themselves to him anymore? Like I don't get it. I, I'm confused as how he keeps adding a uh, baby mom adding on to this concubine list. Like right now, he has a cute little you know basketball team going on. They're called the Futures. I like that. Yeah, the Futures. Mm -hmm. The Futures of LA. That's what it sounds like. Because this is a lot. Like some it just it's not logical. Like, and the way he went about it, it was just kind of like, for what? It could have been a cute text message because you already know that people are going to, I feel like he did it because he's feeding into the, oh, I'm a toxic man, like, thing. Like, he I really feel like that's why he did it. They love him. They literally think, everybody's convinced that, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be toxic. Oh, yeah, I'm a toxic king. Da -da -da -da. And I think also he did it because he's about to drop an album. Mm-hmm. The clout. He did it so more people would be like, oh, snap future oh somebody literally said on the cc tweet they were like oh snap he about to drop an album why are we listening to his music he doesn't respect us like i say i say and if i hit you once you part of my collection there it is marketing marketing this is a huge marketing thing for him i really feel like him constantly like getting women pregnant it's marketing i'm i'm thoroughly convinced thoroughly it's marketing because he uses some of, like, he uses, like, everything he draws from it mm -hmm. to get his album sales up. And then on top of that, he uses some of the experiences in his album. Like, don't nobody care that much. Like, I feel like we we literally glorified the fact that he's just disrespecting women to an, a huge extent. And it's because our, our plight is a national joke. It shouldn't be when the plight of women is a joke. On our backs, the country, the whole country was built on our backs. You know so what's funny? Uh, I was watching Django because they put it on Netflix, and there's a scene where Leonardo Django has a lot to unpack. A lot. The first time I watched it, I didn't take as much from it as I did the second time. It's a very good movie, but he turned Carrie Washington around and he said, "Look at these lashes on her back." Uh, I'm going to say black because he used a <laughs> less appropriate term, but a black woman, only a black woman would be strong enough to endure this kind of pain and keep going. My sister over there is white sister. What a drop dead. And it's true. 
we have been made, bred, and conditioned to endure so much pain that nobody else could even imagine. And it's a joke. It's a joke in our community. It's a joke to everybody else. And I'm tired of it. I'm exhausted. I'm tired of having to carry the pain of my community on my back. I'm tired of it being a black woman's prerogative. To I'm, like, I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna keep holding on. I'm gonna keep mm-hmm. keeping. Like I'm. I'm tired of. My thing is, I'm tired of keeping, and I would like to be kept. Mm-hmm. How many? How many times do we have to be whipped before we're allowed to just rest? Do I'm we like, have to spend our whole life struggling? It's ridiculous to me, personally. I feel like this. It, it shouldn't be this. It shouldn't be this hard. Like, like, I'm not saying that other, like, women or men don't go through the same issues, but being a Black woman in America is like being a fly on the wall mm-hmm. and constantly trying to be hit. And then another thing, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't, this, this topic is so much, like, it's so heavily carried by us, but I mean, all women kind of have to go through it. And it's, it's a men thing. It's not only a black men thing. It's a men in general thing. And it's the way society is raising these men. Because even over Mother's Day, another messy loser posted, and this one was kind of funny, I can't lie. Um, I'm going to share it. Um, Austin McBroom um, posted a very nice photo for Father's Day for his wife, who was- For Father's Day? For Mother's Day, for his wife, that is notoriously the victim to his cheating constantly. Um, He bought her all of this. And it's funny. It is. It says cheating, I'm not going to say the word, are the best gift givers. And he bought her a pink Tesla, which I'm sure cost a lot of money. But it's true. And it's because we are conditioned to think that material love makes up for um, emotional abuse. So they know to give us things. That's why the whole, oh, I messed up. I'm going to get her flowers thing. I messed up. Got to pay for dinner. I messed up. Got to get her some jewelry. That's why it is the grandest advertising ploy ever because it relies on the constant men hurting us and giving us something so that we forget it. Yeah. It's like, it's like those men that forget their anniversaries and they're like, oh gosh, okay, uh, day after. Oh God, uh, let me, let me, uh, go, uh, get something. Let me, uh, no, no. You need to use your words and do better. Not only that, but also we need to stop accepting the gifts. Oh yeah, no, I don't do that anyways. I don't take gifts from people unless I have, I have a problem. I'm just, I don't accept gifts from people, whether you've done me wrong done me right I don't care I don't accept gifts because I've literally and me personally like I feel like people in my life like family have used like money uh cars whatever like a new tv a game system whatever used it to hold it over my head and use that as their way of saying they love me like in their mind the material things is their love and Mm -hmm. I it's, it's allowed me to see through a lot of things growing up because it was like, yeah, no, you don't really, you don't care about me. You don't, but you, you keep giving me things to make me believe that you do. Like you do and believe that you do, but you don't. 
It's just your way of making yourself feel better because it's like, okay, well, I did this for you. So you should be okay now. But it's like, no, you, you still didn't apologize. You still haven't said what you did wrong and you haven't owned up to it. So until that happens, I'm not, that's how I am now. Like, that's why when people try to buy me food or stuff, unless I tell you to buy me food or I ask for you to buy me food and we're together or something, I don't expect it. Like I pay for all my own stuff Mm -hmm. because in my mind, like your money is your way of trying to control my love. One thing that women in the workforce has done for women everywhere is taken away the um, financial binding that comes with marriage and stopping us from leaving abusive relationships. And they hate to see it because a woman who has her own money doesn't have to endure losing a man who does not take care of her. It's true. A lot of people think that, oh, well, he does this for me. He does that for me. So I got to say, no, baby, you don't. You can leave. You can Find leave. better. You don't need anybody but you. You don't. They're not. Because they're not even just, uh, uh, help. I promise help. you do it better. Help. But it's true, though. Like, a lot of people are, like, convinced that, like, if someone has the money and they and they they can provide, then they should. No, I feel like black women should be able to be the heads of house. Women in general should be able to be the head of household. Like if I'm bringing in the money, then cool. Like, it, but there's no stip. I feel like with women, there's no stipulations with their money. There's no stipulations with their love, and not to- not like in a total like a total way, but like in a general way. Black women won't hold their money against you if they love you. They won't. Me? Ha <laughs> this? Like, okay. Waste well, of money. I pay for dinner. Okay. You asked to. Like, I. You want it back? <laughs> I can give it back because it's not that much. You didn't. It, you you thought it was a good place, but it wasn't. Like, it's just. It's I just. Know, like I said, I'll take you out to Red Lobster, but. It was a joke. This wasn't nice. Like, <laughs> and it's be- it's also because social media and music just makes black makes women and men think that oh yeah, well this artist does this and this artist is doing that. So because I'm doing something similar, yeah, you should no no. I didn't ask you that. I'm not down. Yeah, not- Jack, do you not- have any um? Any comments on how we as women can stop accepting these things and start taking steps to kind of break this cycle of accepting abuse? Yeah, so I think it's a very personal uh, journey. It's a personal situation, right? The moment you start looking at other people's relationships is the moment that yours starts to fumble. And so what we have, and Ashley just kind of touched on this, we are living in this like post lemonade society, right? Where I'm sure you guys have probably seen before. uh, What is it like? Essentially, if Beyonce got cheated on, what what do I expect? Right? Um, if Jay-Z, a billionaire, could cheat on Beyonce, then I don't really have anything coming, right? And so for me, it's almost as if you really, really only can assess relationships 
from where you're standing. You can't look at Beyonce. You can't look at Alicia Keys. You can't look at Future. You can't look at Lori Harvey. You literally have to look at yourself and you have to decide what it is that you are going to uh, take, right? What it is that you are going to uh, endure, right? So Cardi B and what's, what's her husband's name? Offset. Offset. So Cardi B and Offset, there was a time where they were uh, going to get a divorce. And I think Cardi B discovered that if they would have gotten a divorce, like most of her loyalties and most of the money that she made, she made after she married him. So Bodak Yellow, I'm pretty sure, was released after they were married. Yeah. Kind of like Adele, right? Where Adele has to give her ex-husband this huge, huge lump sum of money uh, because much of the, unfortunately, uh, much of her success came after she was married to him. So she has to split it. And so the thing about it is you cannot look at anybody else's relationships when assessing what it is and how you feel. Just because Beyonce went through it does not mean that you have to. Just because Adele wrote songs about heartbreak does not mean that you have to listen to them every single day. Like you, it's, it's a personal thing. Love is a journey, not a destination. Self-love is included in that. And part of that journey means uh, doing away with anything that perhaps can cloud your judgment and cloud your understanding of what it is that you can or cannot endure. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you said self-love because I think that when we start loving ourselves first, what we accept and how we are treated will change astronomically. Absolutely. Self-love is the biggest game changer. It's, it's, it's nuts what you won't accept when you put yourself first. Mm -hmm. And when, if, if no woman is accepting the nonsense, who's going to change? Mm -hmm. That's very true. Because it's like, people, I think people kind of just, well, I'm not going to say people, I'll say me. I know for a long time, for me, it was kind of like, if I, if someone else can't love me, then I can't love myself. And then when I finally got out of that mindset and realized it's not about how someone else feels about me, it's about how I feel about me. Mm -hmm. it changes the way that you're able to love mm -hmm. it truly does because it changes what you accept it changes who you let into your life it changes the things that you will and won't do in a relationship it, it changes a lot of things like not uh like a relationship type of relationship but a friendship relationship mm -hmm. because I know I there's a lot of people that I was friends with that I no longer am because I realized that I wasn't doing something that made me better in the mm -hmm. relationship like the relationship itself was very disturbing like it wasn't it wasn't healthy in any way shape or I was being treated like I was nothing and I didn't realize that I kept going back like I in a way I was I was being abused in a friendship relationship like mm -hmm. my time like the things I did like all of that was kind of just used as like I was giving I was doing nothing but giving 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 and they were taking Oh, and I realized, like, in a I didn't love myself. Yes, exactly. Like, I, I, it was very masochistic. So I was kind of just, no, I, mm -mm. I have to change that. I had to. So, yeah. Yeah. Self-love will change the narratives you write about yourself, but it will also change the narratives that other people write about you. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes with self-love comes height. The narrative may be that you are crazy. The narrative may become that the narrative being written about you 
may become a negative one. But when you love yourself enough, you don't care. Yeah. People are gonna write narratives about you your whole life. Regardless. They wrote narratives about Jesus. I am okay. People can say whatever it is they wanna say, but I write my own story. I write my own narrative. And as much as you choose who to allow into your life, you also choose you also get to choose like who and what um will bother you, right? Mm -hmm. People can say whatever it is that they want to say about me. Um, I was in a relationship where when that relationship ended, um, my ex told people that the relationship ended because I cheated on him. No, what was it? So the relationship actually ended. Um, it's it's a long story. I got a call one day when I was in Atlanta uh, that my ex at the time was, that my boyfriend at the time was cheating. I broke up with him about three minutes later. I kid you not, maybe not even three minutes, 30 seconds later. That same day, I actually met the man that I'm currently in a relationship with. And okay, God. Um, I, when me and my current partner like posted our first picture on social media, it received a lot of responses right and then there was this narrative that I cheated I cheated on the guy that I broke up with my current boyfriend for that was the narrative and you know what I have reached the place in my life where I am so peaceful that I allow people to cap on my name in peace I'm not even gonna go back and try to rewrite that narrative because if I try to do that I'm gonna be trying for the rest of my life I am going you will have to recreate it takes too much energy to rewrite the stories that people have written about you in their heads mm -hmm. so you know what i'm at peace knowing what happened who i was where i was who i was with how everything went down there's three sides to every story right his hers and the truth yep and the thing about it is if god don't know nothing else he know the truth and so as long as I can wake up every morning and lay my head down at night, knowing that I did right in that situation, that I walked away and I did what I could and I was who I said I was, then I'm okay with that. Let people talk. Let people talk about you. People are going to talk forever and ever, literally. Jesus said it himself. If this world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Come on now. And so for me, that's my story. I don't care what people have to say about me. I don't care about the narratives that, that people have to, to write, whatever it is. You are more than welcome to write those narratives in your head about me. Because I'm not about to be the one to correct you. And let, I feel like let your story be a prime example as, of that not being afraid to be on your own will open your doors to things that are so much better. And that was a, that was a quick walk to the other door. Oh yes, yes. We, <laughs> but when one day we sure did. Much better one open. We sure did. Mm -hmm. Yes, lovely. Is better, greater. Mm -hmm. Yes. Is that also comes from self love? Like yes. I remember, like my high school relationship. Like I stuck around through so much, through through a lot. But then I got to college and I just got this new confidence. I, you know, picked up some pounds, you know, my jeans. I had to jump to put my jeans on. I was a little confident, you understand me? You know, and I learned how to love myself. I learned how to love myself so much that it took less than three minutes to end a relationship with somebody who I genuinely cared about. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
I that's love that. That's selfish. That's being selfish. That is being selfish. And I chose in that moment. I chose me. Yes, uh, that's what you're supposed to do. I feel like people are so afraid. You, I love that. Yeah. And do you feel like this is a good note to end today's talk on? Maybe. Yes, I think this is good. Um, honestly, the podcast. <laughs> Any podcast. No, um, this has been great, guys. Like, I'm, I'm happy. I feel like this is gonna be a good, healthy place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited. I'm so excited. Thank you, guys, to everyone who watched and who's listening and who's tuning in. Um, we appreciate everyone. We do. Tell your friends to tell their friends that the Wayward Sisters are here. We're here, and we're here to direct you on a wayward path that's way better than this regular path. I made that up just now. Oh, there it is. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys, we will see you next week. Okay, bye. I'm gonna stop this thing. <laughs> <laughs>